All right. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Boca Podcast. I am your host, Nathan Holritz. Happy Monday to those of you that may be live streaming with us today. I appreciate you being here. It's a good, strong way to start off the week. And we're going to be actually covering a topic that I've found over the years in the photography industry is a very popular topic. We're going to be talking about introversion today and how that relates to your marketing efforts. We'll introduce a brand new guest here in just a second. But of course, this show is brought to you by Photographer's Edit, photographersedit.com for your post-production needs during especially this busy season. You're shooting weddings, you're shooting portrait sessions, events, or otherwise. Get those images to us. Let us do the editing for you so that you don't have to go watch Netflix, hang out with your friends and family, go photograph more sessions and make more money. All kinds of things you could be doing with that time that are much better than sitting at a computer editing. So let us handle that for you. And uh, you can check us out at photographersedit.com. All right. On that note, I want to introduce a brand new guest to the show today. Caitlin Wilcox is here with me. Caitlin, thank you for coming to do the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. It is. It's a privilege. Uh, and and by the way, I know that's a line that you can get fed very easily in a variety of contexts, especially doing podcasts. So it's a privilege to have you here. But really, I I, yeah. I appreciate the opportunity to be able to, to first of all get to know a new photographer because we don't really know each other. So we're going to get to do that on air with the audience. Um, but then also to have conversation that will hopefully bring value to our industry in some form or fashion. Even if one person takes something away from this today, we've made a difference in, in the lives of, of photographers out there. And I think that'll there'll be a trickle down effect as well. And we're going to be talking about a, a little bit of a touchy subject, maybe in some context, but an important topic nonetheless, how to kind of step beyond our introverted tendencies. I have some of them myself as uh, business owners to try to build our business, to market our business. And we're going to get to that here in just a second. Uh, for those of you listening in who don't know Caitlin, I'm going to pop this up on screens. It's CaitlinWilcoxPhotography.com is Caitlin's photography website. And then you can check uh, out her Instagram, Caitlin Wilcox Photography on Instagram. By the way, that's Caitlin with an I. I don't know how many times, Caitlin, I had to go back and retype your name as I was prepping for the show. <laughs> but it's C A. I was about to say, I'm glad that you have have the pop-up because of every time I come on into a podcast I have to spell my name because it's like C versus K I versus Y is there an E in there <laughs> yeah might as well just throw a few extra letters well for, for those of you that don't know it's C-A-I-T-L-I-N and then Wilcox like it sounds photography on Instagram same thing for the website and of course we'll link to that in the show notes at bocapodcast.com Caitlin we're gonna I want to get right to our, our main topic for the day but I, I'd like to start with a question about how my guests best manage their time to find some level of freedom and flexibility in their lives as business owners this the show ultimately is about helping photographers not just build successful businesses but sustainable businesses businesses that they can continue to enjoy that they're not going to get burnt out on that won't keep them from their friends and family and the important things in their life things that are believe it or not more important than taking pictures um, and so i'm curious if there's a big idea that has enabled you to maintain some level of that freedom and flexibility in your life as a business owner yeah, so I feel like there are so many things that I could say. Um, I feel like my answer is kind of boring and just very general, but having a system and being able to replicate it is just so key for us. My husband, Devin, and myself, we own two photography brands and we photograph about 50 to 60 couples per year. So being able to have a system 
replicate it and then put it on autopilot with a great CRM. Like we used Upsado. It's like having a third person on the team and it gains us so much time and flexibility back. You know, I'm glad that you, that you kind of highlighted the notion of your answer being boring because the reality, and I've been in business now for 20 plus years, I guess at this point, and the, the kind of base, one of the baseline principles really for running a business effectively is utilizing those so-called boring principles. I think, I think in a world like in 2023, where, you know, we have, I know it's talked about endlessly, but there's some significance to it. Like we live in an Instagram world where we, we log into Instagram, we start scrolling and everything looks perfect and pretty and beautiful. And, and we, you know, we talk about six figure this and this fancy home and this really nice camera. And it, and it looks really attractive and fun and sexy. And yet the reality is what enables a lot of those things isn't fun and sexy and exciting to talk about necessarily. But the reality is that those types of so-called boring systems in this case are what enable us to create those types of businesses, right? Yeah. And having 50, uh, you said it, 50 to so 60 important. couples a year? Yes, yes. Yeah, um, which is- So we have two brands. Oh, I think there's a little bit of delay. Sorry, please go ahead. Oh, yeah. Um, there's a delay on my end as well. So if you ever hear me pause, I'm trying to catch up with myself okay. in my earpods. Um, but yeah, we have two brands and we're transforming the CSC photography, which is our technically our first brand, um, into an associate brand. So that shoots about 40 to 50, yeah, 40 to 50 weddings per year. And then Caitlin Wilcox Photography is a more personal brand with myself and Devin, and we shoot about 10 to 15 per year. Wow, that's incredible. Well, just to briefly highlight what you pointed out, systems. For those listening in who are like, I'm an artist, I'm a photographer, I don't like to think about systems and workflow, that seems so nerdy and boring and whatever. But if we were to simplify the idea of systems, systems are tasks that... Um, or, or ways to get things done that are, as you pointed out, repeatable, right? So we say, okay, I need to get my accounting done for the month, or I need to file sales tax for the month. Another really exciting topic <laughs> that we ultimately yeah. have to deal with as business owners. But I know that in order for me to file sales tax, there may be four or five steps that have to be ac accomplished in order to get that thing done. And so those four or five mm -hmm. steps, I figure out what works the most efficient, enables me to get it done quickly, minimal amount of stress, and I now have those, and I've literally gone into Evernote or a notebook or a note-taking app of some kind, and I've written out those steps. And those steps I repeat every month when I go to, to prepare to file sales tax, that is a system. These are steps that I repeat in order to get something done, ideally in an efficient manner, and I repeat that process over and over again. We do a little bit of homework up front to figure out what works best, then we establish what those steps are, and then we just simply repeat those time after time after time. Is that a pretty accurate description, do you think? That's incredibly accurate. We like to use it for our emails in Dubsado. So we have like um, a very unique client experience that we want everybody to go through. And I mean, at any given point, you know, I have 50 couples that need to figure out what to wear on their engagement session or, um, like details, like what details to bring to their wedding. And that's all set up for me. So, well, and, and that's, you know, the thing about, especially the photography business, I shot weddings for over 10 years. So I understand what goes into it. 
the thing about photography businesses is, is that on a day-to-day -day basis or a week-to-week -week basis, call it 90 to 95% of what we do is the same. Whether you know it's the workflow with an individual yeah. client or the things that we need to get done in a day, it's the same. So again, if we're just willing to put a little bit of time and effort and energy into figure out how to get those things done most efficiently, we can just simply make a list and we can follow that list or we can use a CRM and we can kind of plug those automations into the CRM, which will help us get that stuff done consistently and efficiently over and over again. Um, and, and the cool thing about systems is they're not mutually exclusive to being creative. If we put the systems in place, and yeah, it takes a little bit of time up front, but if we put the systems in place, it enables us the freedom to go be the artist, to be the photographer, and to focus on the stuff that, that we actually really enjoy, right? Mm -hmm, absolutely. Like our clients come to us for a specific experience. So if we can use a system or a workflow or a note or a CRM to help them seamlessly go through that experience then it saves us time and it gives them a better experience overall because things aren't falling off of our plate there you go well way to sum it up and and i appreciate you kind of sharing that thought process here let's jump now into the main topic for today for anybody that may have seen the title we're, we're talking about marketing as an introvert and introversion, Caitlin, is a topic that, that has come up quite a bit on the podcast over the years. Um, I think I'd linked you to one of the episodes that we did specifically on the topic at one point. Uh, but we do end up discussing it quite a bit, in part because I can actually relate. I have a backstory with my introversion, and I understand kind of where it comes from and in some ways what it takes, at least for me anyway, to be able to step beyond that. But maybe for the sake of our audience and for the sake of this discussion, let's just start with a definition of introversion. How do you define introversion from your perspective? Yeah, I love that you start with this because I think that there are so many misconceptions and stereotypes that pop into even my own mind about what exactly is an introvert versus an extrovert. When you think about an introvert, you probably think about somebody who is shy, who likes to stay at home and read a book instead of hanging out with their friends. Maybe they're a bit of a loner. But I really think that that definition's a bit cookie cutter to me. <laughs> I like to focus more on where do you draw your energy? Or if you think of yourself with a battery, a social battery, what is charging it? introverts we like to have fun still we still like people but our batteries they're going to be drained a little bit faster in those overly social situations unlike our extroverted counterparts wow it, you sound like you've studied this or something that that's a pretty good definition <laughs> actually and what do you when for you specifically um what what do you find about being in large groups of people what what do you think is draining your energy in that context? For me, it's kind of the fear of the unknown. So if I'm in a very large group of people, especially people that I don't know, then I can't prepare for those conversations. I don't know what they want from, from me um, and what I can give to them and how I can best prepare for that. Mm. Yeah, I don't know if that makes sense. No, it, it does actually. And in fact, this kind of is a great segue to what I had outlined anyway as my next question for you, which is what do you think is behind, I guess it's a very similar question. What do you think is behind your introversion? Because I think, and I'd like to get your thoughts on this. A lot of times introversion, extroversion is talked about almost like a, a disease. Like it's something that we can't control. That's just like forced on us. And what I found for myself anyway, is that 
my so-called introversion or introverted tendencies, these behavioral patterns that we normally label as introverted, there was some reasons why I felt that way. And I'm glad to share my story here, but do you, do you find that for, for yourself, has your experience been that introversion is just something that kind of popped up one day or was it something that built out over time? What, what do you think is behind it? Yeah, so I had never really thought about this until I got your notes for this podcast. I haven't always considered myself an introvert. I have a very large performance background. And so I did theater and choir. I still do choir. So you would think that I would be more extroverted because I'm constantly putting myself out on stage or um, in performance settings. But there's not really one like key event that happened to make me say, oh yes, I am an introvert. <laughs> so if anything, I would say that I grew more shy as I grew older because, um, because I became very self-aware of social norms and how I was outside of them a lot of times, at least in the area that I grew up in. That's interesting. Okay. So you have this idea of what social norms are in your head and then talk to me, remind me again, what you said a few minutes ago about being in large groups. You said there's a fear of what, what was it again? Of the unknown. Of the unknown. Yeah. Like, what do they need so, from me? What do I need to do in order to show up for these people yeah. to add value to their lives? It, and it's very interesting. And I can very much relate to what you're describing on kind of a, in a general way in that there are these internal conversations that, that we're having with ourselves, right? And unfortunately, I think a lot of times those conversations are made up of assumptions or projections. Like we're, you talk about the fear of like, what do these people need from me? What are they looking for from me? What do I need to bring to them? We're starting to have all these conversations when the reality probably a lot of time is that they're not thinking in the least about any of those things that we assume that they're no. thinking about. No, they're not. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm absolutely the kind of person that will like pre-think of conversations. Mm. I will like draft out how it's supposed to go in my head. Yeah. And yeah, walking into like a networking event and I know nobody that it doesn't happen. So <laughs> you can't prepare for that. Well, I, I'll just briefly share um, my, my experience with introversion. There was kind of a turning point for me. Yeah. And this was a number of years ago and I've been in the industry, the photography industry now for over 20 years. And one of the things that I, that I experienced is I would go to these, these photography events, whether it was networking events or I'd go to a big conference like WPPI back in the day when it was so big and, you know, go into a room with a hundred people, 200, 300 people, maybe even more in some cases. Yeah. And a lot of times it's loud and it was just kind of overwhelming for me. You talk about that experience of your, your energy kind of just draining in the process. And this happened over and over again. And it happened to a point where, for whatever reason, at that point, I'm like, you know what, what in the world is behind this? Like, why, why do I feel drained? What is, what is it about this process that's making me, that's just making me feel like I'm losing energy? And I, I would literally, I'd, I'd go in, I'd spend maybe 30 minutes, 45 minutes or whatever, and then I'd step out into the hallway or away from the group and just take a breather in the quiet. And then I'd go back in again. But I'm like, what, what is behind this? And I think this is a really smart question for us to ask really behind all of our behavioral tendencies or patterns because the assumption, again, in our culture a lot of times, um, and, I, and frankly, I think it's a bit of a cop-out to it in, in some cases, is that we're like, well, here's a label, and this label seems to represent my behavioral pattern. And the conversation just kind of stops there when a lot of times these so-called labels don't represent diseases that are forced on us and we can't control their behavioral tendencies or patterns that are learned in many cases. I think it's fascinating that you said that your introversion kind of seemed to come on later on in life. 
But a lot of times these are behavioral patterns that, that we learn for myself, stepping back outside of myself and kind of trying to explore a little bit about what was going on behind the scenes. What I realized is that when I was going into these parties, I guess in some ways I was doing what you were talking about. I was assuming that I needed to be a particular kind of person in order to exist yeah. in these groups of people, parties or otherwise. And because I was forcing that, I was trying, I was basically trying to put on a performance, be the cool guy and, you know, mix and mingle and try to be funny and, and look cool and you know, whatever. I was trying to put, a, put on this performance based on my assumptions of what I needed to do, or I was projecting onto the situation. Naturally, it was exhausting. And so the moment that I realized that, and I took a step back and I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to put on a performance here, essentially to be something that I'm, I'm not. And that is what is so exhausting. And I, kn I knew what I was comfortable with was to have one-on-one -on -one conversations. I'm not a good small talk entertainer, you know, type to try to get everybody's attention and make them laugh. But what I was good at, I knew was to sit down and have an individual conversation with somebody. And so the moment that I stopped trying to put on a performance based on my assumptions and started just focusing on what I was good at, which was one-on-one -on -one conversations that carried some depth, uh, it made it so much easy for, easier for me to exist in those situations. And even to the extent that you've probably been in this scenario before, but with parties, a lot of times there's a lot, very loud music playing in the background. And I've never quite understood the purpose of that because it gets in the way of conversation. But even yeah. that kind of frustration or annoyance with the loud music in the background, it just kind of seemed to go away because I was right here and I was focused with these conversations, these one-on-one -on -one conversations with people. I was, to your point, able to add value to the interaction because now we're having some deep rooted conversation with some substance to it. And I didn't, I wasn't anxious or feeling exhausted because I wasn't trying to put on a performance at that point. It was yeah. just, it was a really massive turning point. And I share that for the audience that's listening in and watching, because I think it's an example of how, when we realize what is behind our psychology and our behaviors and these labels that we give ourselves, when we realize what's behind it, a lot of times it enables us to be able to step beyond those tendencies. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. That makes so much sense. And I think it's so helpful for your viewers and your listeners because you don't have to be anybody but yourself. And I think a lot of times we get so hung up on not necessarily putting on a performance to be somebody that we're not, but um, I'm a perfectionist. And I feel like a lot of introverts kind of are perfectionists, at least to some degree. We're very detail oriented and we always want to present ourselves in the best way. Um, so maybe you're not putting on a performance to be somebody else, but you're putting on a performance to show up um, in your best way with your best face. Yeah, so that, it's so important that you mentioned that. Well, no, it, it's, I can very much relate to the perfectionism, but what's in part behind perfectionism is a desire to control a situation, right? I mean, I, I know it's hard for people to talk about that, myself included, but I'm like, oh yeah, I was kind of trying to control that situation to make it exactly so. And a lot of that's centered around, again, how I look and how I'm presenting to whoever it is that I'm with, yeah. but I'm trying to control the situation and make it just so rather than going with the flow. And then in my, my case, anyway, just focusing on what, what I knew I was, what I was good at. And it was so much less exhausting when I was either not trying to put on a performance or not trying to control the situation. I was just functioning within it the best way that I knew how. And it was such a transition point for me. So anyway, I just wanted to share that, Caitlin, for the sake of our listeners and kind of set the tone for the conversation. Because uh, in a culture these days where we're so quick to 
kind of succumb to or to give ourselves up to a label and and then the conversation just stops there whether it's we're talking about introversion extroversion or personality types or enneagrams mm -hmm. like it's a it's a fun sexy topic but at the end of the day i think what what's potentially harmful with those is that the conversation stops with i am fill in the blank and then there's no exploration mm -hmm. beyond that or behind that and yeah. i think it's limiting and, and kind of trying hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. So anyway, I just want to throw it out there. Food for thought for everybody listening in. Um, I, I guess let's, let's just kind of keep moving into then this topic around introversion as it relates to marketing more specifically. And, you know, I mean, in modern photography industry culture, most photography business owners are creating some type of a personal brand, right? It's they're building a photography yeah. business, but they're building it around themselves, building it around their name. And if you feel like you're an introvert, that process can be overwhelming, putting yourself out there constantly in one form or another. What have you found has been most challenging for yourself as, um, as somebody who feels very much introverted in nature? Yeah. Well, first of all, I want to point out that I think the key word here is can introversion can feel like a limitation it can feel like an excuse it can feel limiting um, but in reality there's nothing good or bad about being an introvert or an extrovert it's all about knowing how you operate and finding a system that works best for you so tiny rant um that's good but <laughs> words no seriously words and distinctions like that matter i think very much yes it, it definitely matters um, but introversion can often feel limiting in social media, personal marketing, networking, like we talked about, connecting in person, um, even posing. If you're a photographer, stepping in to control a situation and um, dictate that like the timeline needs to move a certain way and it's not doing so. I, I know that's more than like the two to three areas that you asked me about, but it's true. There are a lot of areas in business that can feel scary to an introvert and if I were to compare it to that of an extrovert, I would say like um, my husband, he's he's an extrovert. <laughs> um, and he hates those days where he's like sitting at home editing his uh, films because he's a videographer as well mm. um, for just days straight. It's not a handicap. We can do these things. He can edit for days straight. It's just not our favorite part. Yeah, but it's interesting again, um... And speaking of words and the significance of words, you mentioned just in passing that word control, like as an introvert going into the situations, yeah. um, and there's such a variety of them, especially in the context of wedding photography, that in scenarios that we, we don't ultimately have control, like how do we function in those? How do we show up and engage with people that we don't know when it comes to the marketing piece of it, putting, you know, putting together reels um, of one form or another for various social media platforms, putting ourselves out. There's so many different scenarios that could potentially feel challenging or even overwhelming in some cases to somebody who is introverted in nature. So I guess let's transition then to the kind of the practical, the how to. I think you mentioned to me beforehand that you've got four different ways that introverts can can step beyond those those fears, those tendencies. I would love for you to break those down for us. Yeah, I have four, but we may break off into tangents. Who knows? <laughs> um, my first tip is to have a goal. I know that sounds super simple, and I know it's like not the um, very like hard-heading um, stuff, but I love to think about this with the networking or the events like we were talking about earlier. Whenever you 
have an event where you have 100, 200, 300 people and you have to get out there and do those shameless plugs and you don't know anybody walking into that room full of people, it can be scary. So, and from personal experience, I might want to stay in the corner with the bread and cheese display. Like that sounds like a much better time to me. (laughs) Um, But if you give yourself in that room full of a hundred strangers an actionable goal, say before I leave, I want to meet and connect or, or deeply connect with five people, Mm. then you have a starting point. And that doesn't mean that you have to be best friends with those five people just have a conversation beyond, hi, my name is blank and my business is blank. So whenever you give yourself a goal, it makes that intimidating task less intimidating. Now, instead of a hundred people that you have to talk to, you have to talk to five and five people isn't so bad and you can always do more. Yeah, no, it's really nice. That's interesting. And I would almost just listening to, I would break it down into there's, it's almost kind of two parts. The first part is to set a specific goal. And, And to me, just thinking about introversion and, and the psychology be, behind people who are, are introverted in nature. Once we're not thinking about ourselves, like we're not in that internal dialogue that constantly happens, that it, it plays a significant role in that fear that we experience in public scenarios. If we have something to focus on, which is not here, but like kind of outward in nature, if we have the specific goal in mind that, and we're translating our focus there, it'll help minimize that internal dialogue and the fear that comes from that internal dialogue and overanalyzation. We can focus on the goal at hand and that in and of itself will probably be a, somewhat of a relief to our, to ourselves, right? In the, in those situations. Yeah. But then I also love that you specify having not just a goal, but a, a smaller goal. So I'm in the room with a hundred different people. The idea of trying to connect with hundred people is, is significantly overwhelming it would be probably to most people. But if I have a small enough goal, that's achievable, not only do I have something to focus on outside of myself, but then I also it's an achievable goal that doesn't seem overwhelming. Five people have not just kind of surface level, here's my business card conversations, but you know, halfway decent, a little bit more depth, better conversations with five people. That, I think that's a really achievable goal and not as overwhelming. So I, I love this first point. This is great. Yeah, and I love that all of your things because it kind of leads me into the second point, which is to have a game plan. Um, We talked about this a little bit earlier with my systems, but being able to replicate something and not think about something else that's going on um, is super important whenever you are so focused or focusing your energy so much on something that you don't like, like connecting with those people and, um, you know, being in a room full of strangers. (laughs) So So establishing a goal is number one. But then number two is establish a strategy or a game plan. And can you break that down just Mm -hmm. a little bit more? Like how in the scenario that you described just a few minutes ago where you've got five people that you want to have a conversation with, with, what would the game plan or strategy look like? Yeah. So um, for networking in particular, I would probably come in with a couple of like icebreakers in mind, right? This kind of goes back to how I like to control the conversation or um, draft those conversations in my head then if I have something like, okay, I don't have to come up with something on the spot and I can initiate that conversation a little bit easier, it gives me one less thing to think about in the moment. I really like thinking about this about weddings and sessions. So if I have a game plan ahead of time where um, I know kind of what the timeline's gonna be like and I know the venue and I don't have to scout and like figure out where I'm going to shoot, 
I have a slight um, either posing system where I know like which poses that I really want to get, that takes my energy away from thinking about those things in the moment and I can focus more of that energy on connection and personal marketing with those people. Hmm. I like that. So essentially preparation in advance. It's it's not just about a strategy, mm -hmm. but well enough having rehearsed that strategy so that it just it's able mm -hmm. to flow smoothly. You know, I'll do this. Some people probably think I was totally crazy if they saw me doing it. But one of the things that I do, and I've mentioned, it, I think on the podcast before, Caitlin, but in advance of sometimes actually in advance of the podcast, even uh, depending on the topic or who I'm, I'm having a conversation with, certainly in advance of conversations with uh, personal connections or business connections, mm -hmm. I will actually rehearse conversations out loud. Uh, or if I'm getting ready to do a presentation, I'll rehearse the presentation out loud multiple times over so that once I actually get to that scenario, I've taken the time to actually think through what I want to communicate, maybe cut out the unnecessary stuff a bit. Um, and it yeah. maybe flows a little bit more easily at that point than just off the cuff trying to come up with the thing. And, and in that case, mm -hmm. we feel a little bit more anxious because we're not we're not prepared. So it's not just about a strategy but also preparing in advance for that strategy to implement that strategy that helps make things go a little bit more smoothly. Right? Exactly. And introverts, we love to be prepared. So <laughs> it's back to that control thing again, but yeah, it does. It helps us it helps kind of ease the anxiety a little bit. And um, yeah, that preparation in advance, I think it's a good principle in general for any type of business owner, certainly for introverts. Yeah. So number one, establish a goal. Number two, establish a strategy or game plan. What's number three? Number three is to know your own battery level or what you need with your energy and when you can step away to recharge. So again, I like to look at this with a wedding or specifically a wedding reception, because uh, if you're anything like me, Nathan, by the end of a wedding, right around reception time, I am getting a little overwhelmed, a little fatigued with all of the people. Um, so I know for me, especially since my husband shoots with me and he's an extrovert, he's fine doing dance floor photos and I can step away for five minutes, have a slice of cake or, you know, use the restroom real quick, edit our same day slideshow and I can just recharge and have enough energy to continue out the rest of the day. So knowing what you need in order to show up fully is super important. <laughs> Yeah. And you know what? Interesting that you bring up the same day slideshow. I've not heard. It's really funny, but I would say, what was it now? 15 years ago or something like this when um, a, a person that I knew quite well at the time kind of kicked off this trend of the same day slideshow at weddings. Yeah. And it's something that we started incorporating into the weddings that we were photographing as well. And not only did it make a massive, massive impact on, on the crowd, because the bride and groom in many cases weren't expecting it. It was kind of a surprise thing. Um, they're like, oh my goodness, you you have pictures already? You know, you just shot those a couple of hours ago and they're right here and they're playing for us on a, on a laptop or whatever it might be. And and then you have the, the, the guests, the crowd start to gathering around. We had a couple of business cards out on the table and people are grabbing those things. It was a really great impact from for our company as far as marketing efforts were going. Yeah. But to bring it back around to your point, being able to step away from the crowd, especially if you have two shooters there. So one is available to photograph the dancing or grab a couple of candids during uh, the meal or whatever it might be. The other person can step away to the quiet, just to the side, sit at the table by themselves, get a little bit of food and work on that slideshow, which doesn't take a whole lot of effort, but you can do that outside of the, the hubbub of, of the, the wedding, the reception or whatever might be going on at the time and kind of give you a little bit of a, a quiet break. That's great. 
Yes, it's a win-win because you get to recharge and be able to show up fully for your couple for the rest of the night and they get a really high impact experience. Yeah, win-win. I'm honestly surprised that I haven't heard that talked about really at all, honestly, on, on you know Facebook or social media in general. Um, it's not a topic that comes up a whole lot, these same day slideshows. But for those of you listening in, if you're wedding photographers, comment um, there on Facebook or YouTube if it's something that you all do at your weddings. And if you don't, do a quick Google search and look into this. I'm sure there are a number of blog posts out there that talk about workflow behind putting together one of those slideshows. Mm -hmm. It's very easy to do just in Lightroom, for example, if, if you want to put it something is. together really and quick. I think I know who you're talking about, the photographer that kind of started this. She was our photographer. And from a bride's perspective, we just got married in May. It's very impactful. <laughs> yeah, it's huge. It really does make a big difference. Okay, so uh, number one, establish a goal. Number two, establish a strategy and game plan. Of course, this is all in an effort to help minimize that sense of overwhelm as introverts going into um, whatever it might be, photographing a portrait session or, or a wedding or otherwise. Know how to, number three, know how to manage your energy effectively. Know how you can make time, even if it's a few minutes here and there, to take some breaks, um, to re-energize. And then what's number four, Caitlin? Number four, I think, is probably the most general of all of them, but it's to allow yourself grace. Just know that if you do get overwhelmed with social media one week and you don't post, like your business isn't going to fall apart. We're all human. We're not going to be perfect with any of this. So just allow yourself some grace and um, just be able to unwind and recharge the way that you need to. And I've heard this, I've heard that phrase a number of times in industry, not just in the context of, of this type of conversation, but what does that tangibly mean for you? Like when you say, okay, I'm going to allow myself some grace, what's the internal conversation that happens or the conversation with your husband? Like, what does that actually look like? Mm, that's a good question. Something that I haven't really thought about. Um, since I am a, a, a perfectionist, <laughs> I'm going to beat myself up over that little slip up later. But since I am a perfectionist, I tend to um, kind of overdramatize everything in my head. So I'm very type A. And if something doesn't get on, uh, get done, then I am like, I'm reliving that moment over and over and over for like the next three months. Um, like, why did I not do this? My business mm. is going to fall apart. Um, so having that, um, grace for yourself saying like, Hey, one Instagram post isn't going to make or break my business <laughs> right. is, is probably fine. Mm -hmm. Um, this is probably not the most healthy mindset for you to have Caitlin. So, um, I also know that in my calendar, um, in the forefront, very actionable, then I need like one to two days where I'm not doing um, anything that's really social. I call them like my non-social days. <laughs> um, but I will have one day where I don't schedule any calls. I don't schedule any sessions. I'm in my editing cave because I need that time to just focus on uh, recharging my mental health and getting things done that that don't require me to spend so much of my energy trying to show my face on Instagram stories every day or having four calls every single day of the week. It's just not going to be effective for me and I'm going to get burnt out really quickly. So doing the work in the forefront to set those boundaries is really key as well. Yeah, I can very much relate to that. I, even after I finish a podcast, um, most cases I'm like, okay, I, I need just a second because there's a lot of 
there's a lot of intention that goes into the effort, not to mention the multitasking. Nobody gets to see this, but I have a dashboard in front of me here of controls to try to manage this whole thing and transition from screen to screen and put labels up on screen Mm -hmm. and turn the music on and off. And like, there's actually a lot going on. So after this is is done, even after an hour show or whatever, I take it, I take a break, give myself, you know, a little bit Mm -hmm. to just kind of unwind or to do something different um, before getting back into work a lot of times. And that's just one tiny example, but you're right. It doesn't hurt to, to give ourselves a little bit of space to recharge, if you will. Um, and the other thing that you highlight, I think it's really important. And we talked about it earlier in the show as well, which is that beating ourselves up over a little bit of a mishap in the process of doing our work is, I mean, it's broken. It's a broken thought process on multiple levels. One of the most ironic is that we're making it such a big deal. And there's probably 95% chance that these people that we're worried about noticing this particular thing probably aren't even thinking about it in the least. And yet we're making it this big deal in our mind. And that's the funny, you know, the the, the kind of sad and amusing irony about the whole thing. Mm -hmm. I I don't know how many times I've like re-recorded an Instagram story because like my eye twitched a little bit. Like nobody (laughs) cares about that. No, (laughs) nobody's watching. They're probably doing three other things while they're watching your, watching your, your Instagram reel as well. It's fine. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Well, so I appreciate the kind of the the practical ideas that might enable our introvert photographers listening in or watching to be able to step behind kind of those tendencies, those fears, their apprehensions, um, and, and what can feel like kind of the draining nature of running a photography business at times as introverts. But there's another interesting kind of a different angle to this conversation, which I really love that you suggested in advance of, of our conversation today, which is we don't have to like, there are kind of standard ways to go about marketing our business and to function within a photography business it's become kind of industry standard because most people do it this particular way. But you were saying we don't all have to, we don't have to approach marketing in the same exact way as everybody else necessarily. There are other ways that we can still market our business and build our business without having to do the things that feel so draining as introverts. And I I think you mentioned that there are three ways you were going to share. So go ahead. Yeah. So actually our last tangent kind of pushed us into, into point one that was unplanned, but it works. (laughs) Um, Carving out time to show up and then show up with my best self for me is so much more authentic and comfortable than trying to get onto my Instagram story every single day with a life and business update. Like that works great for some people, but I am, I am not the kind of person to have an idea and then immediately hop onto like my Instagram app and like in real time, just put it out into the universe. Like I can't do that. (laughs) Sometimes it takes an hour for me to just talk myself into pressing record because I have a pimple or, you know, something that nobody's going to notice and doing that every single day, wasting an hour of time, just hitting record would be such a waste of time. So um, I like to know in advance, I'm either showing up like three days this week because I'm already showing up in other places in my business. Like maybe I have this podcast call and right after this, I'm going to do a little Instagram story about it. Or I have an inquiry call and I know that I'm going to be social and present uh, for that. Um, Or I like to take one day, record all of my um, Instagram stories or Um, I have my own podcast and YouTube channel. I'll do that in one day and I'll just change my shirt. So it looks like I'm, I'm doing it every day. (laughs) That's more authentic for me. (laughs) Okay. Fair enough. Okay. So you're, you're carving out space and and I was taking notes again, as, as you were talking about this, but carving out time and space 
to kind of give yourself um, a break, a bit of an extra, extra energy, um, maybe a day to mm -hmm. let the pimple go. I, I'm 44 years old and I still, that's still something I'm looking out yeah. for too. So I get it. Um, although I will say black and white, just going to black and white fixes a lot of things. Just a little pro tip there. Uh, but oh, anything noted. that we can, anything that we can do to, um, to show up more energized, if we know kind of our, our tendency and, and we know what our patterns tend to be and where we find the energy or where we can show up with the most energy, then going ahead and, and behaving based on those, that understanding uh, just it'll make life easier rather than kind of forcing it so much. I, for me, it's kind of a both end, right? Yeah. I know, I know the way that I can show up most, uh, I guess, most effectively. Um, for example, I tend to work really well in short, intense spurts because I also work very yeah. efficiently rather than trying to work eight hours a day straight. Maybe I'm going to try to get in five hours of work or six hours of work, but I'm then I'm going to break it up with, you know, a 20 minute break here or a 30 minute break here so that when I do go to do the work, I can throw in that intense energy. I can get the work done quick and it's very impactful work or effective work. And then I can take a step back. And this is of course, part of the benefit again, and a lot of the theme of the show of, of taking advantage of the freedom, the flexibility that we have as a, our own business or owners of our own business, that we can also make our own schedule. But if we know that that's how we're going to be able to work most effectively, let's do that. Um, but I'm then simultaneously, Caitlin, I'm, I'm doing, I may be doing that, but I'm also realizing, okay, why I'm, I'm also thinking what's behind this. Am I, am I allowing myself to get distracted? If I'm looking too much for a dopamine hit, everything has to be exciting. Maybe sometimes I do need to just sit down and do a work for an hour and a half or two hours or three hours straight. And that's actually what needs to happen. Yeah. I need to get over myself and move beyond the, the tendency in order to get the work done. So it's kind of a both and for me. Um, when it comes to yeah. so-called creating that space, what does that look like for you tangibly? So I'm more of like a marathoner. So okay. I like one full day of just doing all of the social things. So like I have a community choir rehearsal on Tuesday night. I have a mastermind that I'm in that meets on Mondays. I like to use those two days to just get all of my stuff done. And then like Mondays, I'm um, doing like blog posts from weddings. It doesn't require me to be like fully present um, and very social. Thursdays are a very non-social day for me. So I like to do just a bunch of stuff all at once and take a full day to just like recoup from it. Love it. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't think that like as human beings, and I mean, it's a loaded conversation and we won't get into it too much, but yeah. I don't think as human beings that we're, we're actually created to sit in a chair in an office eight hours a day straight. I, I just, no. I, I think it's a, unfortunately it's where our culture's at uh, in many ways, but again, we have the privilege as business owners to set our own schedule, to know how we work best. And as long as it doesn't become an excuse for being lazy, I think that's the big caveat yeah. in this whole thing. Um, it, as long as we're not being lazy about it, we're being intentional in the way that we're setting up our schedule. So we're giving ourselves breaks. We're leveraging the flexibility, the freedom to do things that we like to spend time with the, the important people in our life. But then we're also getting the work done. I think that's a great, I think that's best of both words, worlds. And, and the reality is yeah. running a photography business doesn't have to take 40 hours a week. I, and again, I know this from personal mm -hmm. experience. I think most wedding, you guys may be an exception with your two businesses and, and so many weddings. But when I, when we were shooting even as much as 30 to 40 weddings a week, as long as I wasn't doing my own editing, I could easily run my business probably in about 20 hours a week. If, if that, if I was working intelligently and intentionally, right, those are the, the key ideas there. But mm -hmm. I just, we don't have to be, when I see photographers talking about they're up until three o'clock in the morning doing editing or, you know, preparing an album or something like that, it's, there's just absolutely no need if we're intentional and strategic mm -hmm. about 
our workflow and the systems that we're putting in place to your earlier point. And we can maintain a certain amount of space and freedom and flexibility so that when we do show up to do the work, we show up energized. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't think I could have said that better myself. Even with 50 to 60 weddings, I, I don't think that we work a full 40 hours. Yeah, I, I, it's, I mean, we're, we're super lucky in that in 2023, we've got incredible tools like Dubsado is just one example, yeah. but incredible tools that don't cost that much money that enable us to automate and certainly make more efficient our, our day-to-day -day workflow. And if we, if we do the same thing in the way that we manage our email or that we hopefully outsource our editing or that maybe we outsource our album design, our accounting, there are so many different ways that we can create space for ourselves so that there is not a need to work the 40 hours a week. And by the way, we can still build a business with this, right? It's, it's not about being lazy. Yeah. It's about being intentional and strategic. And um, mm -hmm. I think that's really important distinction to make. But anyway, I, I don't want to park there too long. So number one is to carve out the time and space needed for us then to show up effectively when we do put in, in the work. That's number one. Uh, what's number two? Yeah. So whenever we think about marketing, um, social media pops into my mind just because that's the world that we live in right now. Um, and especially with Instagram stories, that's a really hard place for me to show up personally. So whenever I am creating content, personal content for marketing. So like for me, we're huge Chick-fil-A people. I will eat at Chick-fil-A five times a week unapologetically. It's not the best thing that I do, but I do it. <laughs> um, I think I read in your website, so it said with an eight piece chicken McNugget meal. Is that right? Or no, that's McDonald's. Sorry. Eight yes. piece nugget. Yeah, I'm meal. not a McNugget, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, eight piece chicken nugget, waffle fries, large sweet tea. Okay. And mine is always gone before the end of the meal and has to give me some of this. <laughs> a little sweet tea. Um, but whenever I go to Chick-fil-A, I, I don't like to live on my phone. So whenever I am recording content for it, whether it's like a picture for my Instagram story, a little like pan of the line, anything like that, I am taking multiple pieces of content because the next time I go to Chick-fil-A, I'm going to forget or I'm not going to fill up to it. So I am taking a picture of the menu board. I'm taking a pan of the line at least. Um, I'm probably taking three or four if I'm being honest. And the next time that I go to Chick-fil-A, I have that content in a folder on my phone and I can utilize that as a tool, post that to my Instagram story and just be like, hey, um, here's an engaging way for you to interact with me that's um, still personal. You're getting to know me. Um, I can throw a question box on it, ask them about their favorite order, um, share mine. Um, or um, uh, let's, let's go away from Chick-fil-A. Don't like <laughs> to go away from Chick-fil-A, okay. but um, one of my favorite things is um, I have a picture of myself carrying a laundry basket up our stairs in our townhouse. And I will post about how I just put a fresh load of laundry in the washing machine and there's a fresh blog post up on the blog. And I will link that and it gives them a little look into I'm still a human um, personal life, but it also references my business. Um, and you get a little bit of of both worlds. So what we're talking about here for anybody who might be chiming in late uh, or wasn't following along the whole time um, is how yeah. three specific ways that we can maybe step outside the normal workflow that maybe most photographers in the industry are carrying out in their day to day with their business that plays well to our introverted tendencies. So number one, you said was to carve out time and space so that you can show up well when you do show up to do the work. 
most energized. And, and I think that's great. I work very similarly. Number two, knock out. Um, the way that I kind of frame this is just to knock out lots of work at once or, or work in chunks of time. So then there again, you're creating spaces of time where you don't have to be thinking about work. Or you don't have to be creating mm -hmm. content. And I think that's just great too. I, I'm very much with you, Caitlin. I, I love my technology. And of course my companies are built around technology, but the last thing that I want to do is spend time on technology all the time. I'd, I'd rather connect with, with human beings. And if I'm constantly on my phone feeling like I need to create content all the time, not only is that going to be exhausting if I feel like I'm an introvert, but then I'm just going to get exhausted and burn out in general with work. Cause I don't want to be doing the same thing all the time. I certainly don't want to be on yeah. my phone all the time. And especially not in the context of relationships, which are way more significant um, than all of this in, in the end anyway. Exactly. You want to live in the moment. You want to soak everything in. And if we're being honest, it goes back to being prepared. So whenever I'm taking multiple pieces of content and storing it in that folder, I'm becoming prepared for the next time that I'm not mm. socially energized mm -hmm. to create that content and my business won't fall apart and I won't have to have that hard conversation with myself about, hey, it's okay because I have something that I can post. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's good. Yeah. Um, I, I'm thinking of a tool just to, to kind of follow the conversation in order to create clips from uh, the podcast, from the Boca podcast, everybody's listening in. If you follow us on yeah. Instagram at B-O-K-E-H podcast, Boca podcast on Instagram, you'll see from time to time we'll post either in stories um, or the actual posts, clips from the show, from the podcast. And I use a tool called video, V-I-D-Y-O dot A-I that literally sucks in like I upload or, or share the link to the podcast episode and it automatically the AI system processes that episode and breaks it up into clips and then I can just go in after the fact and, and edit and update and export them and now I have clips I don't have to manually go into Final Cut or to Premiere and go through this whole editing process that's overly complicated and it, it essentially does the work for me and I'm able to download you know three four five six clips or even more from an episode and then I can at some point if I want to post something um, to fill the feed in one form or another, then I can just grab one of those clips that has been largely automated, automatically processed for me, which is really, really cool. There's so many tools like that out there that can help us better utilize our time so that we can work in chunks like you're talking about and then still have the space to recharge and just to enjoy life outside of running our business. So uh, again, I think that's a great reminder. Take us to number three, if you will, the, kind of the third way that we can go about marketing right. that may not... Um, I guess, interfere with our introverted tendencies so much? Mm -hmm. um, so number three is to know your own strength. So I like showing up with my words more often than with my face or other forms of recorded content. So if I have an idea for something to share, I'm not the person to click record, broadcast it right away. Um, I, I wish I was. I, I will just pull up my social media scheduling app and draft out a post that's really educational or a blog post or I'll have like a note on my phone or I have like a doc on my desktop that I can use like for my own um, like podcast scripts and YouTube scripts and everything. So that's like my own strength, but your strength, Nathan, is probably going to be different than mine. So knowing your own strength and knowing that you can utilize that as a way to market your business and it doesn't have to look the same way as other photographers is really powerful. Yeah. I, I would agree. I, I tend to be kind of a both and person in this and that yeah. while, um, and Gary Vaynerchuk famously has, has emphasized this over and over again on his content for anybody who might follow him as well. But 
playing on your strengths rather than focusing time and effort on your weaknesses, it's just a more efficient way to live, right? You, you know what you're yeah. good at, what you can get the most kind of the biggest bang for the buck for, you know, the, the most benefit from. And so you focus your, your effort and intention energy there. It's kind of that 80, 20 principle. And I, I think it's smart. I, it's, it's kind of a, a value of mine to always work at improving. So simultaneously, I'm like, okay, I don't feel mm -hmm. like I'm as polished in this particular area, whether it's my copywriting or content creation or even creating reels, uh, my presentations, uh, maybe my understanding of TikTok as a marketing platform and running ads there, whatever it might be. There are a lot of yeah. different moving parts to our business behind the scene. And naturally I can, I can rely on a, a, my team but then there's certain elements of it that I need to understand as well. So yes, I'm going to tend to, again, it's that 80-20. I'm going to focus probably 80% of my efforts where I'm good and I can get the most benefit from that effort. But then maybe the 20% of my efforts are going to still go to continuing to improve and refine some of these other things that I'm not as good at for the bigger yeah. picture. Does that make sense? That, yes, that, that's perfect because you still want that area of exploration and other avenues that you could eventually put into your system and workflow. Yes. But if you're playing on your strength and you know your strength, then you can um, focus a large chunk of your energy yeah. on your like lesser tasks or your um, uh, not so favorite tasks. And you can get ahead in those tasks that you are good at that you can have a larger chunk of time to kind of explore that mold um, uh, like fully. Yeah, no, I like that. I think it's a best of both yeah. worlds again. Um, okay, well, this is this has been really practical, and and I appreciate you sharing your perspective on it. it as we finish up here, I'm going to actually bring your website up on screen for those of you that haven't seen Caitlin's work. Make sure to go to Caitlin K I or excuse me C A I T L I N Wilcox Photography .com. And then Caitlin, you mentioned that you have a podcast as well, and and what else do you do? Yeah, so I have a podcast. It's called Operation Carpe Diem. Um, I think if you scroll down like one or two more, yeah, there's my YouTube channel. Um, and then next is my podcast, Operation Carpe Diem with Caitlin Wilcox. Um, you can find me there, Instagram, YouTube. I also have um, two freebie guides for your listeners. The first one is five personal content ideas for when your social battery is low it walks you through my entire Instagram story process about how I show up whenever I'm not feeling like it. You can get that at my website and then um, personal-content-freebie. I think so. it's also the first link there. And then okay, the second cool. one is five questions. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I interrupt you? No, no, go ahead. There's a delay again. <laughs> I'm not sure what, what's causing the delay. Please go ahead. Delay. Uh, the next one is five questions to ask on your next inquiry call. And that's uh, caitlinwilcoxphotography.com slash book more. And it gives you um, my strategy for showing up on inquiry calls or booking calls with your clients in a way that gets you prepared beforehand, like we talked about today, um, and allows you to focus more of your energy on personally connecting with those future couples. Okay, cool. So what I'll want to make sure I do too, for everybody listening and or watching, I'll get those links. Caitlin, maybe you can you can send them to me uh, via DM. Yeah. So I make sure we get them. We'll put those in the show notes. 
at bocapodcast.com. This is a live stream right now that's happening on Monday, November 20th, but this episode will get published by tomorrow morning, 8 a.m. on the 21st. So for anybody who's curious to get those links, you can make sure to go to bocapodcast.com. We'll have it in the show notes there. Or a lot of podcast players, or I think some of them anyway, like Spotify, I use Spotify for my podcast most of the time. And the show notes, we'll have the show notes posted in the show notes there on that podcast player yeah. as well. So for those of you who like to use your podcast players, you can look for the show notes there. Caitlin, I really appreciate you Super making convenient. time to come and share with our audience today. This is an important topic um, and, and one that we could probably spend many hours on ultimately. But I think we did a pretty good job of covering a lot of practical application here. And, and I really appreciate you sharing your perspective. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you.